0: name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. By God's grace and mercy, we've completed the fourth week of the fast. We're just three weeks away from that great and glorious time of Pascha, of our Lord's resurrection, when we receive the light. All the church lights are dimmed, and then just one light comes out. What is that light? As the priest brings the light out, he sings, come receive the light that is never overtaken by night. (laughs) The Greek is a little bit more clear. It says, anespero, or never setting would be the best way we could translate it. It actually comes from the word esperas, which means evening, like vespers. And they put an alpha in front, which means not. So it's like saying, there will never be evening. The light that never has an evening to it. It's hard to translate into English, so we use the best that we can. But imagine that, a light that never ends. A day that never ends. It never turns to night. This is what we call the eighth day. And if you haven't heard of that before, I'll describe it a little bit. The eighth day is the day of eternal life. The day that never ends. There's seven days in creation, and then the eighth day. And that eighth day is the day in which we inherit eternal life. And so we always stand in the light in eternal life. There's no darkness. There's no fatigue and tiredness that we need to sleep. Everything is joy, everything is peace, everything is love. Everyone is in a constant state of joy. This is what we're yearning for. This is what everything is about is entering into the eighth day. And on Pascha we remember that this light that has no ending, no evening to it. This is what we call the eschaton, the end. Because you see, Christians have an eschatological orientation. These are big words. Eschatological means that we're always focused on the end, which is really the beginning. But the end of this earthly life That should be always our focus, always yearning for the completion of everything. St. Paul says in Romans, Creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And he says once again, We know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs." together until now. All of creation is waiting for the eighth day. All of creation is waiting for that time when everything will be renewed. Everything will be bright. This is why the week of Pascha is called Renewal Week or Bright Week because it's entering into the eighth day. All of Bright Week is into that eighth day. As Christians, we should always keep our focus on the eighth day. Our Lord said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. It's about what our focus is. Not seek the kingdom of God also, along with the job, the needs of the family, whatever else I want. Seek the kingdom of God first. That is our focus. But... We don't. We so often live with the mentality that this life is all that matters. Think about it. How much time and effort do we spend on planning our future, on preparing for retirement? Think about it. So much time is spent on that. and How much time do we spend on preparing for eternal life? These aren't inherently bad things to be planning for our future, to be setting aside retirement. I'm not trying to be absolutist about it, but seek first the kingdom of God. Our focus is disordered. Our focus is not to seek first the kingdom of God. It's to seek first those things that are right in front of me that I feel like I really need to figure out and plan and figure and and manage. Those become the focus, and the kingdom of God goes on the back burner. St. Paul in Colossians says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died. Look at that, you died. You've already died. You're Christians. You've died in the baptismal waters. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It's a beautiful potential. You don't know it. It's hidden in God and the fullness of that, we see a hint of it in the lives of the saints. But even that, the fullness is not revealed until that eighth day. That is when the fullness of who each and every one of you are is revealed. It's in God that your fullness is revealed. This is why we say properly we are becoming human. We're not yet fully human. Christ is fully human. Why? Because in his full humanity humanity and his full divinity, there's a harmony between his will and the divine, his human will and the divine will. When that happens, when we have complete harmony between our will and God's will, that's when the fullness of who we are is revealed. And until then, we're fighting against that. We're fighting against God's providence, against his will. And so we don't move towards that fullness. Think of that an analogy of of a, a child coming out of the womb. Now imagine if you could talk to a child in the womb to tell it what this world and this life is like. Think about that. How would you describe that? Imagine you could talk to a child in the womb There's this light in the sky and then darkness. There's these birds that are singing. Everything that you would try to describe would be incomprehensible to the child in the womb. Totally incomprehensible. Can't even imagine what it is. This is an analogy for us in our next birth because we are in the womb of this mortal life and will be birthed into eternal life. And that eternal life is incomprehensible to us. Incomprehensible. Imagine, like, talking to a baby in the womb, it would be like the baby might say, well, I still get to be fed by my umbilical cord, right? <laughs> We're all thinking, you don't even have your taste buds. You're not even using your taste buds. What a joy that is, that all our life we have our taste buds. And then maybe my, the baby might say, well, I still get to be in this this cozy little space in this liquid forever, right? It's all silly. But that's all that the baby knows. And this is how our life is in this world. We don't know the glory that we have awaiting us in eternal life. And so we're like the baby in the womb, just really content with the things that we have and that we know. The tragedy is that we, when we live this disordered life, not preparing for that new birth, Without Christ's kingdom being first, you've heard that phrase about someone who's tragically passed away, an untimely death. We've all heard this. We probably know people where it was described they had an untimely death. Only the only untimely death is a death that leads to death. That's an untimely death. What does untimely death mean? They didn't get to fulfill the plans that they had on this earth. They didn't get to do the things that we all, in our honesty, really keep desiring instead of eternal life. They didn't get to have what? All these things on earthly life, but they have entered into eternal life. So we shouldn't even say untimely death. What does untimely death mean? They're born into eternal life. Let us have joy but it reveals to us where our priorities are, because our priorities are in this life. And if people don't get to have the things in this life that we expect people should have, then we say it's an untimely death. But in God's providence, that person has been brought into eternal life into the eighth day. We desire that birth into glory. St. Paul says once again in Romans, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And he's talking, he knows sufferings. He knows sufferings. We've read in his other epistles where he lists off all of his sufferings. But the sufferings, he didn't say the sufferings can't be compared to the glory that awaits. And he knew the glory that awaits. Why? Why? Because he had that vision of eternal life. Remember he said in his humility, I knew a man once. And talking about the glories that are there. He knows the glory. He didn't say that the sufferings can't be compared to the glory. He said the sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory. They're so nothing that they're not even worthy to be compared. It's nothing. Those, he is saying effectively... Those things I would take a thousand times over. That's okay because of the glory that I'll receive. That's the thing that is far more valuable. And if I have to go through more and more and more sufferings, that's nothing compared to that thing that I will receive. This should be how we approach it. And St. John furthermore says in his epistle, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We don't know who we are. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's where our glory lies. Our glory lies in our Lord, in being with our Lord, in being in his presence, in fully taking on all of his qualities of joy and peace and love and all those things that we desire in this life, but they remain elusive. My brothers and sisters, nothing is more important than this preparation. <clears throat> you saw the icon when you came into the narthex. The icon of the Ladder of Divine Ascent because today is the Sunday of St John Climacus or St John of the Ladder. And that icon, it's not describing the path towards being a saint. It's describing the path to eternal life. And there are very real temptations, very real things that are trying to pull us off of that ladder. That icon portrays it so very vividly. If only we could have that in mind. Because the trick, the key to ascending the ladder is focusing on the top all the time, every moment of every day, of every breath that you take. Focus on the top. Seek first the kingdom then ascending the ladder is actually very easy. But we take our mind and our thoughts to other things, or we're looking around at the things of this world, and so we lose our focus, and then it becomes very difficult, and that's the life that we lead. It said in one of the hymns this morning, Holy Father John, as one devout, when you had lifted your mind unto God on the wings of faith, You despise the turbulence of the world and its transience. This should be us. When he says despising the world, that doesn't mean hating God's creation. What that means is all those things that are taking my focus off of God and off the kingdom of God, all of those I should despise because all of them are transient. Anything that doesn't enter into eternal life is passing, is irrelevant. And then there's a beautiful passage from earlier this week. If you read the the readings of each day in Isaiah, talking about the eighth day, because ultimately this is what our focus needs to be on. Hear this. The prophet Isaiah says, And he will destroy on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. What is that veil? It's the separation between here and eternity. The visible and the invisible. How right now, here in this church, we participate in the liturgy with all of the saints and all of the angels, but that's invisible to us, most of us, most of the time. But that veil will be removed. And he continues, He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. You can hear this echoed in Revelation. In Isaiah, he says about... Wiping away the tears from all faces. And many of you may know this passage from Revelation. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Let us seek first the kingdom of God. This is a rightly ordered life, a life that leads to the eighth day, that points towards the eighth day, because our church is always pointing us in that direction. So take up the rest of this fast, and of Holy Week, entering into the services, preparing for our Lord's glorious resurrection, and through this may we inherit eternal life. Amen. Again, we follow the liturgy of St. Basil the Great. There's a supplement that you can follow for the rest of the liturgy.